Hello and welcome to the Salty Club podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Creeper, and I am here today with Cassia Mehta. California born and bred, Cassia began surfing at age 14. By 17 years old, Cassia was a sponsored pro longboarder traveling the world. Known for her graceful surf style, Cassia was crowned the queen of nose riding by the New York Times and in 2011 ranked second on the WSL Women's Longboard Tour. Throughout her career as a competitive sponsored athlete, Cassia was actively involved in designing products under the umbrella of her sponsors. In 2013, Cassia left sponsored surfing to build a brand that focused on quality instead of quantity working towards more conscious solutions rather than contributing to the larger global issues. In 2015, she launched Cassia Surf, a brand for women by women with design rooted in authenticity gained through 23 years of experience. We are so stoked to be interviewing Cassia today as part of the Salty Club's Move and Breathe with the Pros program, where Cassia provides a crystal sound experience You can find this crystal sound experience at watch.thesalty.club move slash breathe slash with slash the slash pros slash series that's watch.thesalty.club forward slash move dash breathe dash with dash the dash pros dash series if that's too hard just go to the salty.club and browse our programs you'll find it right there all right let's get into it oh i'm so stoked to be with you and like it's just so cool to be able to connect and you're in guatemala i'm here in costa rica right now and Mm -hmm. it's just like awesome everything that's going on with salty club thank you so much and we're so stoked to have you contributing your sound healing to our move and breathe with the pros program and i would just love to start by getting into your whole story with sound healing what was your first experience with it how did you get into it and Why are you so passionate about it as a mode of healing? Yeah, Caitlin. So basically, you know, me and my whole journey with sound and vibrational therapy, I think really started before I even understood it. It was introduced to me about, gosh, 14 years ago now. I was, you know, having surfing as my background, I was always riding waves. And one day I walked into this place out in the desert with some friends and we just kind of stumbled upon it. And this guy gave us a sound bath and, you know, he and I were talking in in the kind of parking lot and he was a surfer from Topanga. So we started talking about surfing. So we connected in the water and he was like, have you ever had a sound bath? And I'm like, what is that? And he's like, just come on in, let's hang out. So He just gave us all like a kind of free sound bath, you know, and that was my first one. And that was in 2008. And it really stuck with me. It was such a journey, a deep journey. And it felt to me like surfing, but in the feeling sense. And then it went a lot deeper. All this stuff was coming up for me. And and really, I think it kind of like came to me at the perfect time because it really fueled a lot of inspiration for me to make some big changes in my life. You know, it's like mm. I truly feel as a person, um, you know, I'm constantly wanting to grow and change and adapt. Like, I never want to look back. Like, people are like, oh, you know, like, let's go back to how things were. I'm like, I want to go forward into something I never <laughs> felt before. That's just me personally. So I was like, you know, really feeling kind of stagnant in some ways and very grateful to have traveled a lot and been surfing a lot. But I felt like, what's the next thing for me? Like, what is going to fuel me? So it came at a really poignant time in my life. 
And then I kind of like forgot about it, but it stayed with me. Three years later, I was walking down the street and saw one of like what to me at the time looked like a giant UFO, a big (laughs) singing bowl, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, that is one of those things. So I went in, I I asked if I could buy it. Like I started playing it and, you know, I asked if I could just buy it from them. And they're like, yeah, you know, whatever. They had to call a manager and I I ended up walking home with it like on my head. (laughs) And then I started taking a deep journey. I invited over a friend who was a musician and then, you know, she came over. She's like, oh my gosh, this thing's amazing. So then she called another friend who was a musician and then he brought some instruments and And then we just kind of started jamming. So, you know, this was 2011, 2012. And we ended up starting a performance art group called UFO 2012. And from there, there were seven of us. We toured. We made vinyls with art galleries. We played shows at Fashion Week in New York. We did all sorts of experiential. Yeah, like did like art exhibitions and all these different things, you know. And it was beautiful. It was such a deep dive and a journey. But me and one of the gentlemen that was a part of that group of seven of us were really interested in the healing elements of sound. Like as we got deeper into that journey, you know, also got deeper into my own meditation practice and my own like deeper levels of my spiritual practice. And it was doing things to me on a physical, energetic, emotional, spiritual level. All layers of my being, you know, were really being energized and transformed as I was holding space and spinning sound for people. And so kind of in 2013, our crew, kind of everybody went and did their own separate things. That said, I just kept on going with the sound. And, you know, we started hosting sound baths at a couple of my friends' yoga studios. And it was kind of like newer in the LA scene at that time. You know, people, it wasn't like on everybody's lips, you know. And then started more and more started popping up and we started doing more and more. And then from there, I studied with a couple different like sound teachers and I started studying craniosacral and polarity therapy. So I started studying all these different like energy modalities that would both support my sound work and my sounds work would support them. So it's been kind of like a long journey now from when I was first introduced to it. And it just continues to unfold and teach me and humble me. And it's so beautiful, I think, to really have a balance of like the meditative, emotional, spiritual aspect with surfing. You know, surfing is so physical. Mm -hmm. It is also so like energetic and nurturing in like so many beautiful ways. That said, it is so physical that it's really nice to have this other sort of journey that is still like riding a different wave hmm and hold space for people that way so it continues you know totally because I have access to that sound healing now I had the idea like I'm gonna listen to it and then I'm gonna do the interview and I started playing it and I was like I don't think this is a good idea I can feel so much already moving and coming up but I don't know where I'll be at the end of this so I had to stop it and I'm like I think I'm gonna do that tonight after we speak because I could already like eight minutes in I could already feel things moving in my body. I could feel things are moving emotionally. And I was like, whoa, this is very intimate, even online, even not in person. It's a very intimate thing. It absolutely is so intimate. Mm. And like in so many ways, I do feel that sound is an adaptogen. So it just supports us with whatever we need Mm -hmm. for that moment, like whatever Mm -hmm. we're craving. And that's why I always invite people to really get clear with an intention so they can invite the sound to support them in whatever they need in that moment. 
everyone listening to one of these sound journeys, whether it's in person or on this beautiful platform that you've created online for people to support them wherever they are in the world. I really feel and know it to be true that every time you listen, you're going to have a different journey because there's different things that are up for you in that moment. And to really lean into that and to get clear with what you wish the sound to support you and what you intend to maybe let go of or intend to call in and also pay mm. attention. Like it's not all bliss, like transformation is tension. And so lean into the tension. If things are coming up that are uncomfortable, that's actually encouraged. Lean into mm -hmm. what's uncomfortable for you maybe because it might just be the thing that needs to move so you can bring in more grace, you can bring in more abundance, you can bring in more support. Like, you know, and that's something I think that's really important to clarify for people. Yeah. You can't listen to a sound bath in a wrong way. You can't do anything wrong. And if, if weird stuff's coming up for you, it's coming up because there's a space to clear it. So definitely yeah. like don't kind of get stuck in that or trying to force it away. Or if there's different things going on in your body, you know, you mentioned your body. Like if there's some like tension or pain or you're noticing anything, just kind of like lean into it. Don't go too far down it, you know, don't get mm. sucked into it. That said, like lean into like, oh, what is this telling me? Like maybe, oh, my heart, I'm feeling something in my heart. Like, let me touch my heart. Like, let me see, you know, what this is for me and just kind of honor it in that moment. Mm -hmm. I love that advice. And it's true. That's a really important thing to say is that it's not all bliss, right? Because my intention was like, how can I hold my stress and my anger at some particular things that are happening in the world while still being such a source of like joy and energy and light for myself and my son and my family. So this was, it's a very like mm -hmm. intense intention to have, but I was like, not to solve it, but to cultivate this feeling where they both coexist together and it's okay in my body. Right. And of course I'm like, well, I'm just going to get down and that's not going to be uncomfortable. Well, of course it's a really intense intention to have, you know, so I'm really looking forward to tonight sitting down with that. And when I have no distractions, really seeing what comes up with that. That'll be great. And yes, you know, mm. you brought up such a wonderful point. We're living in such a dynamic time. There's just so much for humanity to witness and it's uncomfortable and there's beautiful moments of bliss. It's everything. And we're in like, literally we're living in like truly like a dualistic experience of like what is and all parts just like, it's sunny and you're like, wow, it's such a beautiful day. And then like the moon's out and that's beautiful. It's like, we can't have everything all the time. And it's like, mm. how do we take everything in, have emotions and feelings and also like choices? Like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Like we have an opportunity to stop it by just choosing not to entangle ourselves with it and things will transform. I feel like it's like such an interesting time because it's, I feel like as a global, you know, humanity, as global citizens, we're really starting to see each other in that mm. and really starting to take responsibility. I think in some ways, this thing with like, you know, the pandemic and stuff like that, it's like it really affected everybody all over the world. We're realizing how connected we are with what's going on right now with the war and everything. It's like we all feel it as if it's happening to us. Like, it's a humanity issue. And so how do we hold space from what I'm hearing and everything that's happening and also be hopeful and not get disenchanted, not disassociate, not just chase the light. It's like, okay, cool. How do I hold all of this? Show up for myself, show up for my family, stay hopeful, 
stay in prayer, stay like in love, stay in like those kind of like higher states while also navigating all these different things that are showing themselves right now that are totally horrible and fully uncomfortable and like the worst stuff ever. And hopefully we can transition through this and it can never happen again. That's what I'm hopeful for. Like, Uh okay, cool. It's all of our choices to never let something like this happen again. Exactly. That's it. And then I, that's it. I have to keep this hope that everything is being exposed so that we know, so that we do have the tools to go forward, realize how united we are and never let this happen again. Just like you said. That's it. That thank mm-hmm. you for summing it up in such a clear way. Cause I just kind of went down like, it's you perfect. know, but yeah, it's, it's really, and never let this happen again. All eyes are on, all eyes are open. And I think we've been seeing that we've been seeing kind of like the trauma and the shadow part of humanity coming up over and over again in this last couple of years. And we're all seeing it. All eyes are on it. So like Mm -hmm. we really have an opportunity to choose other, you know? So I'm really hopeful as heavy as this is. It's like the worst ever. And I'm also hopeful. It's like, you know, through the most tension comes the most light. So it's like, okay, we're going through this like tension portal right now as a global family. And it's like, how can we come through this more united, more compassionate, more loving and supportive of each other? And 100%. Thank you for summing it up like that as well, because it's so true. Thank you. (laughs) And, you know, gratefully, there's so many tools. Like, for the most part, many people have a computer, many people have a phone. I think for showing up in person to a sound bath or to a yoga class or to a breathwork class is so important and so powerful to gather with people. And some of us haven't had the opportunity or some of us hadn't had the means. And to create a platform like this that really connects people globally. Again, global citizens in this space is like truly what a gift that we live at this time that we can like check into this space, this virtual space and connect with people around the globe in one moment and have Mm -hmm. a collective prayer, have a collective session, hear from each other, hear what's going on for other people. Exactly. And that's it. Like in a big way, obviously we know social media can be so destructive, but at the same time, what a gift as well to be able to hear so many voices and to have that as well. Again, that's that duality, right? Like we do have so many resources that we haven't ever had before in in history. It's just, yeah, like how can we use them for good and uniting and for ourselves and for our nervous system? And yeah. Yeah. It's, It's how do we work with these tools rather than being worked by them. There's so many opportunities that we have at at our fingertips right now. And and yeah, it's like, how do we use them as tools and not be kind of like, you know, swallowed by them too, because there is that kind of thing, you know, it's exactly, uh, it's interesting. It's it's really interesting. And what a time to be alive. Definitely. And changing gears a bit, I wanted to talk about, you touched on it slightly, but you said that it seems like you're good with change, like you're comfortable with change. And it seems like you've had to go through many evolutions in your life. Like you were a sponsored professional surfer and then you moved to creating a business and and being a sound healer. And I'm sure there's so many other transitions you've had to go through and so many other like deaths of chapters and stuff. Have you always been really comfortable with change or is it something you've had to learn to be comfortable with? You know, it's absolutely something that I embrace and invite in. And it's in that uncomfort that I really get to know myself more. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like going through those places that really make me question everything that maybe I valued before, maybe question or give me an opportunity to question where I've come from, how I'm changing and transforming, maybe how I have more elasticity 
around things. And it's not until I think personally for me, it's like not until we look back to see where we've come from. It's just choosing to step into the uncomfort, choosing like, oh, things are really uncomfortable right now. I'm going through a lot of transition. Everything looks like a mess. Everything looks like destruction. There's some potent medicine in this. How can I lean into it more, lean into those parts of myself that are resistant? Because in those spaces, I feel like there is gold. You know, it's like the space between the note and like a sound, you know, or in music. It's like there's that tension and then that release and that space in between everything is where there's like so much infinite energy available. So it's like, you know, and I think it's one of those things that I've definitely been through so many different transformations in my life. And I think that each one of them makes it a little easier to go through the next because I feel more resilient. Mm -hmm. Things that maybe would take me longer to not bounce back from, that's not the word because I don't want to go back and it's not about bouncing. It's just like things that would be faster or take me a lot longer to kind of come to a space of like surrender and integration. Actually, like I can get to those places faster. And there's mm -hmm. still a cycle. You know, there's still the cycle of like chaos and chaos really starts the transformation cycle. And then it, there's sometimes anger and there's sometimes grief and there's sometimes fear. And then it gets to a space of like truly surrender. And once we surrender, then we can start to like integrate the information and assimilate mm -hmm. it. And then we come back up to balance. So I think that truly is that kind of like cycle of like, okay, cool. Like so some chaos is happening. What's up? You know, so I feel like that arc is maybe a little faster sometimes. It does get softer, I feel like. Like I just think about, you know, friends of mine and even in my own personal experiences, like resistance to like end businesses that aren't working anymore or resistance to end relationships or business relationships or even leave a town because of this fear, like, is this as good as it gets? Or is this mm. what if the next step is a mess, right? But what you're saying is like, it will be a mess. Like, of course, you know, there will be that element and it's about being present throughout that whole transition to let's say the next thing, not that you ever arrive in places, it's always constantly evolving. But I just love how you speak about it. Like it's such a rich, positive thing, you know, it's, it's really nice to hear it that way. Totally. And it can be. And it's also like heavy. And I think it's important to allow ourselves to feel all the emotions. Because if we allow ourselves to really be with them and let it come mm -hmm. out and not try to have anything be a certain way, then it's a lot easier to kind of get to that space of surrender personally. Mm -hmm. And it's not like to make it more easeful. It's like, I think helpful to just be like, gosh, like some days I need to like get pissed off. Mm -hmm. I need to feel like shit. I need to like honor that part of myself, like all aspects of our feeling bodies, because it's through feelings that we learn. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that that's maybe part of a lot of issues with things is that since maybe we were kids or depending on where you grew up, it's like, oh, like, don't show your emotions. Like, you shouldn't feel that way. Like, oh, like, no crying. Like, we're told as kids, like, don't cry. Like, you know, or like then there's like all these like pharmaceutical things that put people on antidepressants. Don't feel this way. Don't feel this way. Like, just feel nothing. And it's like, well, we got to mm -hmm. feel something. Like, allow mm -hmm. ourselves to feel because it's through our feelings that we understand more. And so it's like, I think that that's potent. Like, we don't always need to feel epic because when we do feel epic, that's going to be so much better. 
Yeah, it's so true. It's that contrast, right? And I see that a lot in my son as well. You know, when he's crying or something, I I notice people around him going like, yeah, yeah, which is like, that's enough. That's enough. Kind of like trying to calm him down or they're like, no pasa nada, like nothing happened. And I'm kind of like, I can't control what everyone else does, but I'm really trying to like sit down, get to eye level with him when he's having his releases and just be like, I'm here with you. And do you have any more in there? That's okay. You know, because, but it is, it, and in that way, I feel like I'm almost reparenting myself in a way to be like, is there any more in there with me? Can I sit with it? Can I be okay Mm. with it? And when I'm having reactions to his emotional reactions, getting curious with that as well. Right. So it's, it's really fascinating that you touched on that too. It's huge, you know, as a parent, you know, it's like, gosh, it's like you have such a beautiful opportunity to do things differently Mm -hmm. and nothing bad or wrong about the way that we're all raised. It was like how we needed to be raised to learn whatever we needed to do. And we can also like teach people in different ways. And I feel like everybody Mm -hmm. wants to be seen. So to be seen in your pain and supported and not judged for it or not like told to be quiet, like that's so beautiful. It's so rad. It's so important. And just to held space for, like, that's huge. And I'm, I'm so excited for all the kids. I'm so excited for the future. It's so cool. It's so cool, Uh like, watching, like, these kids come and be supported in a different way, you know, Mm -hmm. than maybe I was supported or I don't know, like, maybe you were supported or just like, there's just so much more space. And this is part of this hopefulness that you speak of too, is is this generation that's coming up and not burdening them with what we have to fix, but at the same time being like, wow, there's so much opportunity for them and all these alternative schools that are popping up everywhere, all these different ways of schooling, ways of teaching, ways of living, like different ways of living in community. Like for me, growing up in suburban Australia, like you had your house and everyone and you went back to your house in the suburbs and you had your play dates, but that was it. But I have a few friends who are expats here and they've had their babies and they're like, come have a sleepover. Let's have a sleepover with our babies. Like, let's be in village together. Let's, you know what I mean? Like not having this separation and, and it is this freedom of just raising them differently. And I am so excited to see what happens with that. That's so awesome. That's so <laughs> exciting. And it's just so rare that, yeah, people are finding their tribes and people finding people that like are really on par and supporting them and and kids get to grow up with other kids in a more free way and actually Mm. like enjoy and play and be in their bodies in a different way than I feel like I experienced too, like in suburbia and everything structured and I went to Catholic school and everything was like this stuff. And I was just like, this is so Mm -hmm. weird. And thank God for that contrast because it it invited me to question everything. You know, mm. and because I question everything, I got to wherever I am right now is all perfect. That said, it's really nice that there's a different sort of availability for a lot of the kids now. I'm just definitely, like, so <laughs> definitely, but that's true. And I think maybe that's in a big way what brought us to surfing because it is that like organic movement. It is that mm-hmm. like not having to wear ready clothes or just a wetsuit or like make this or that. There is that freedom, that ability of movement, that being right there with nature without like going straight into a cliche, which has been said so many times, but it's so true, right? Like, and that makes me think about it now. That's probably why I was drawn so much to surfing was that freedom. Freedom, full freedom. There's zero mm. rule surfing. I mean, obviously you don't want to like drop in on anybody. And, like, <laughs> you know, I think that's like the one just like be chill. Cause again, it's like a community in the water and like you're a part of it when you paddle out mm-hmm. to a pack of people. And if everybody's just kind of like working together, it all works a lot better. Um, that said, yeah, they're really outside of that. There's really no rules and it's just you and nature. 
and like you able to move and flow and like be free and like see mm -hmm. what feels good and push yourselves and learn in different ways. Like there's so many things that the ocean has supported me with that have been real kind of like tools that I've taken into how I live my life. And I'm like mm -hmm. so excited when people find surfing at whatever time they do in their life because it's such a gift in that way. And it's just so empowering. Definitely. And that's so nice that you have that attitude too, which is like the more the merrier, like get in there. It's not this feeling of like, oh, it's becoming too crowded, which I hear so many places. It seems like you're just like, get in as, as many as possible, you know? Yeah, it's totally crazy. I mean, everything's crazy. Everything's like crowded. Everything's like whatever. The streets are crowded, like whatever. We might as well. <laughs> I feel like if more people are doing the things that nurture them, it's going to make them happier on land. So it's like, bringing people into the water. It's like I host retreats. It's all about getting more people interested in surfing and also supporting them with the tools that they have that they can make their experience and everybody else's in the lineup better. So mm. by understanding those things, like I learned those things, like sometimes the hard way as a kid surfing, a lot of people are getting into surfing later in their life and that nobody, you know, told them this stuff. And I think that that's what's important to share and yeah. also sharing that like community aspect that I really felt like grateful to have been supported with as a kid growing up surfing where I did. It was all about community. That's so nice. That's awesome. And yeah, all of us in the club, I think we started surfing mid to late 20s at least. I think that was the earliest. So none of us are early surfers. And it's true. You know, I remember just thinking, where can I find information about this? Where can I find community? Who can I talk to? So the more people who start like later on, the better. Absolutely. I think so, mm -hmm. you know, and I just like watch it time and time again, change people's lives. And it's mm -hmm. the best. It's mm -hmm. so exciting. It's the most mm -hmm. exciting. 100%. Well, also, I want to say it's really inspiring to see a surfwear brand that you have so focused on low impact production, because like even in one of your interviews, I was listening to you say that even if you have to drive around with some garments to get them dyed, like even that driving around in the car is adding to the footprint of that piece, right? And it was really interesting to me because I feel like we have a lot of maybe tokenism in surf product production, like made with recycled materials, which is cool and all these things, but it can also be like sent like laid in plastic sent with a ton of plastic or just the actual impact of this recycled piece can still be off the charts right and it's just it's really cool to just to listen to how intentional you are with every single detail of that on the back end and I guess my question is because you were sponsored by Roxy for a long time correct yeah and you designed pieces for them as well so it's like you've seen the side of that like how that brand is so intricately tied with surf culture and we grew up like wanting to get the next season thing the next season thing the next season thing but that is so at odds with like what surf culture truly is in a way because it's wanting to minimize whatever shit ends up in the ocean and wanting to you know what I mean so could you talk a bit about that experience like between the two almost not extremes but going from this really like hyper production surf culture thing to what you're trying to create like and creating with with Cassia Surf Absolutely. I mean, I think that to be honest, like when it comes to like even thinking about like the word sustainable, like nothing sustainable if we're making it truly. When you really think about it, like we if we're making anything, it's it's the world has enough raw yeah. materials that have already been made for us to recycle them and reuse them. But I think it's just like really intending to create things that last longer, intending to create things that are 
better in different ways, knowing that it's not the best that it can be, knowing that it's going to get better and better. And it's like really thinking about kind of like the whole gamut of the footprint. You know, it's like people were using recycled plastic water bottles to make board shorts. It's like, okay, well, you're using recycled plastic water bottles to make board shorts. Are those actually ocean bound plastics or were they recycled, were they created to be recycled? Because that has happened. Mm. Also, then it's like, okay, well, that seems like a good idea. It's not ending up in the ocean. And then it actually breaks down faster and makes more microplastics and doesn't last longer. And then you can't actually take those out of the water. You can take a bottle out of the water, but you can't take microplastics out Mm -hmm. of the water, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's kind of one of those things where I really think there's all these different layers. And at that time, that felt like really kind of like eco and cool, but like, is it, you know, it's like, okay, like, organic cotton is it using more water most likely Mm. it is and it's most likely using more water in a place that doesn't have access to very much water so is that more equal no what about a recycled cotton and organic cotton blend okay now you're talking about recycling something and there's like an organic you know what i mean so it's like Mm -hmm. and it's also like biodegradable it's not like mixed with plastics and poly so it's like i think it's about like Creating anything at this time, first and foremost, I really Mm -hmm. feel is about creating things that last as long as possible and then giving things an end of life cycle Mm -hmm. opportunity, like recycling and repurposing things in different ways, which is why we have our wetsuit recycling program. And it's like, we can all take baby steps. You know, it's like, I'm in the wetsuit world. I teamed up with my friends at Sea Trees. And their whole thing is reseeding our kelp forests because we've lost over 95% of them in California in the last like three decades, four decades. So, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. Kelp, huge in reducing carbon emissions. Like the kelp forests actually, I think it's like 30, they sequester 30% more carbon than terra forests and Mm -hmm. kelp grows in good atmospheres, almost two feet a day. So it's kind of one of the fastest ways to sequester carbon. And so that's like going back directly to the ocean, which Mm. I think is important. So it's like, how can we be in the world, not Mm. disengage from it? Also pose opportunities to have conversations like this. Mm. Like, how can we be smarter? How can we constantly do little things like never buy plastic water bottles? Like always carry a water bottle. Like you can't see it. (laughs) But always, always carry like a water bottle with you, you know, like. Mm. carry your cutlery with you like just in you know traveling alone if you're going to go somewhere don't go somewhere for a week go somewhere for a month go somewhere for two Mm. months like if you're actually going to get on a plane and travel somewhere stay for a while you know just be more mindful about everything you're doing like Mm -hmm. at home I don't go to the beach unless I know the waves are going to be good and that might means I don't surf for a week or two yeah yeah, I want to be in the ocean but I'm not just going to drive around like I'm going to choose not to drive. So when I do, it's like worth it. So I think like we're kind of at that time where Mm. what's worth it, what makes sense for us and like, how can we be the most like mindful about like what we're creating, what we're doing, the impact in the world and how every single one of us, like seven plus billion people, what we do actually does matter. Yeah, definitely. You know, 100%. Like, we were like, oh, there's so many people. Like, no, what you do matters. And it affects your mm-hmm. community, even if they're just seeing it. Like, I'm going to keep picking up trash at the beach. 
because I don't want to see it. And it's not my trash. And yeah, it might not make a huge impact, but it's going to make an impact. And like, I want to do it. So I think it goes back to like what you were sharing before. It's like, when you feel like you're trying to take in everything that's happening and also trying to live your life and take care of your family and put food on the table and do all those things. And there's so much happening in the world. And it's like when you really start to look at the whole bigger global environmental picture, it can be totally paralyzing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you still choose to be conscious about all your actions and not get totally overwhelmed and shut down by what's happening and just be a part of the solution by even just like questioning and going forward. So I think too, it's like, I'm grateful to be in the position I am with my own brand, like circling back to that. Cause I kind of went on a tangent because I have a lot of adaptability and being a small brand, I can really make those changes faster, you know, and some of those bigger $4 billion industries, like there, there's so much money and there's so many people that hopefully, but they're also always looking at the small brands for like, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, how yeah. can How can we inspire those bigger brands to make changes, whether it's through collaborations or whether it's through just them like checking out what we're doing and being like, we need to do this now. It's like, yeah, dude, whatever gets them there. Let's like push those big brands to get there, you know, and I'm grateful. And and that's why I wanted to leave working with those big companies to start a smaller company and be focused on a solution rather than contributing to the bigger issues. I love that. Did you ever have any kind of problem with moving away from this kind of conventional idea of success, right? Because that's kind of seen in a way of having made it like working with Roxy, being with that, being in one of those big surf companies to then move away from that to focus on your own thing, which doesn't focus on the bottom line. You know, that's not the main priority clearly, but of course that completely changes everything. So I was just wondering, did you ever have any process around that? So much process. I mean, I left working with those big companies that paid for my entire life for my whole life. And then I had Mm -hmm. nothing. And I had to sell everything I owned. My house caught on fire. I had nothing. At one point, I was almost like living in my car. And that was fine because it like pushed me. And I am who I am. Every single person told me I was crazy, whether it was my agent or my parents or like, you know, people were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I just don't feel good about working with these big brands now that I know. And I'm also grateful that I got to do what I got to do in my life. Like very grateful, cool. Okay, I also learned how amazing some things were and learned what I didn't want to keep doing. So then I just went on on my own and literally pushed myself like through so much uncomfort and through so much like just not having much and really just like literally letting everything go. All my favorite things, all my favorite stuff, like sold it, got rid of it, lighter, lighter, lighter. I need nothing. Let it go, let it go, let it go. And not focus on the bottom line. Cause really like, as we know where we're surfing, like when we're surfing and we teach it to people, wherever you look, you're going, you know, and it's like, (laughs) if the whole world's focused on the bottom line, we're all going to eat it. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, cool. Like, it's still just starting to come around now. Like people are like, when I first started it to like now, it's like people are so much more pumped on what we're doing. Where I couldn't have had that same conversation with as many people just even three years ago. So I think that like, I'm just going to stay with what I love to do. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to stay with what I'm inspired by. I'm going to stay in trying to learn and trying to grow and trying to shift things and trying to do them different because everything else is happening this way and it's clearly not working and people are going to still do it in certain ways. So I might as well do 
something else and try and push it and to support people like myself that want something else. So I think that's really what it's about is like, whatever you're inspired by, whatever you want to do, your like unique, magical individual self is here to do that. And only you can really do it the way that you can do it. So go do it. Because mm-hmm. that's like, what else are we here to do? Yeah. And we're going to learn about ourselves along the way. And that uh-huh. whole like bigger idea of like conventional success. Like I think I learn the most out of my seeming failures than I do about anything that I do good. Like I don't like, like looking back on my surf career, like I don't remember much about anything that I won but I remember the most about like some challenging wave I put myself out in and maybe like was like really close to like messing myself up and pulled something you know off in a cool Mm -hmm. way through my business it's like through the tension and like what not to do or like the seeming failures that I learned the most about like how we can adapt and change things so I don't feel like there's ever a failure it's just opportunities to learn And I feel like if you're putting yourself out there and pushing yourself, you're always succeeding. A hundred percent. I love that. And I hope it's okay. I asked you about this. You said you lost your house in a fire that your house burnt down. Oh my God. It was crazy. It was such a lesson and such a gift. And at the time I was like, this is crazy. What did I do wrong? Like, and like, maybe I'm like too candid all the time, but it was challenging with my business. It's challenging to be like one single person up against these huge businesses out in the world. And everybody has an opinion about what you should do and what you should make and how you should make it and how you need to sell this and how you need to sell that. And, uh, and you're just like, whoa, okay. And trying to do things in different ways. And I'm just like, I had to get really clear on like what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be another huge company. Yeah, I want to be successful, but success to me just means like being sustainable. And I'm still learning through that. And in the height of that, in the height of like all my life savings put into my company and like everything else and like things maybe not seemingly looking like they were working because I was in the learning process of it all. Like my house caught on fire and then I didn't have a place to live for two years. And I literally was like selling everything I owned, but it was so cool because I just got lighter. Lighter and yeah. lighter. And at the time, it looked like total chaos. Of course. Yeah, I didn't mean to laugh, but I just love that you've got this like lightness around it. You know, it's, of course, I, I know it must be one of the heaviest experiences, but just how you speak about it, it just feels liberating even to listen to, you know? I think that that's it. Because, like, what does it really matter? It's like, take it all away. Like, I still have myself and I still have my like truth and like, mm-hmm. I'll figure it out. And it really taught me to believe in myself in a deeper way. Because what looked like totally crazy, instead of feeling sorry for myself or like I did something wrong, I just was like, all right, I'm just going to keep going because I believe in this and I believe in myself. And I pushed through. And I think that that's like a lesson that the ocean taught me. I mean, getting slammed back to the beach so many times. And then you just are going to go for one more round, push through (laughs) it one more time. And then you might get one of the best ways of your life. I mean, I'm not condoning anybody to put themselves in dangerous situations that are outside of their um, Mm -hmm. maybe comfort zone or safety or the safety of others. That said, it is, again, like pushing into the tension. There's so much opportunity there. And so I'm grateful for that. And at that time, I was not grateful for any of it at all. But it's like looking back, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so grateful. I learned the most and I became the most resilient. And I just like let everything go. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Kind of going back to the traveling thing a bit, I did want to ask because we travel through 
like countries in Central America and all over the world, developing countries like low income countries. And for sure, in a lot of these places, the education around trash and is very far behind. And what I do see is a lot of travelers come and want to like make all these changes. But I'm just wondering, like, where is that appropriate for travelers and expats to kind of try solve or help in a system? Like, should we be trying to do that when we travel? Should we be trying to like help spread knowledge about plastic or awareness about sustainability or low impact? Or is it more a case of let's just stay in our lane, in our backyard, focus on what we can do and travel through these places lightly? Like, what's your view on that? I mean, I always think that it's important to kind of like inviting conversation and also never shame anybody around anything. I mean, when people are like, if you're in a developing country or like somewhere where there's low income, people are focused on survival. Yeah. You know, it's such a luxury. I feel truly to be like, oh my God, there's trash. It's a luxury to even think about that when some people are just literally trying to survive. Yeah. So as it's a luxury, we don't need to shame people. We can invite in and take in like maybe if we have the resources and we want to actually create a sustainable project and educate people by empowering them with information that they didn't have. I think it's just all about how it's approached. But if we're shaming people, we're just pushing people away and we're not giving them the tools. So I think it's Mm -hmm. like, I met a woman recently who lives in, you know, there's like a awesome expat community in this place in Nicaragua. And they created a beautiful project around it where they're actually like teaching all the community, the youth, like all the local kids, and they're actually giving them jobs and like paying them to actually like take care of this trash and like to come up with a means to kind of like move through it and then teach other people Mm -hmm. about it. They're also teaching them about like surf coaching to give them jobs for the future. So they're doing all these cool different things within their community that they live and putting in an infrastructure for the future, paying these kids. And then these kids are actually teaching the next generation. So it kind of goes back that way. And that was awesome. Yeah, it's cool because that's like one of the best projects. So it's like by inviting in the community of people that live there. You know what I mean? It's like if you're traveling to a place, like you're in somebody else's home. So like go and get into it. Like it's one thing to just go pick up trash on the beach. I'm going to go pick up trash anywhere I am. That's my style, you know. But if you're like really spending time in a place and you want to create some infrastructure, like people need infrastructure. People need these things, you know. So how can you help them? by empowering them with the tools to take it to the next level. I think that's where, too, again, we go back to that, like, global family. Any person's trash is our trash. So it's like staying in our lanes. We're, like, kind of disassociating from everything that's around them. And it probably is our trash one way or another if you trace it. Yeah. (laughs) Just because it's on a different shore. Yeah, true. Definitely. Thank you for that. I was going to ask, this is more of, like, an abstract question, but what's something that you've changed your mind about completely in the last 12 months? As I'm thinking about it, I'm also noticing that when I was maybe a younger person, I would make up my mind about anything, like mind about things like, oh, like this is how I choose to see this. But I think like right now, like I'm not trying to make up my mind about anything. Nice. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I don't want to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like so I'm, I'm like, wow, like have I. I don't even think I have, yeah, a mind about yeah. anything in that way. I yeah, cool. I've done no. a lot of work to get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to get to a point where it's not so rigid and you're open to things changing and different. Yeah, I think there's been like even extra, a lot of letting go. 
over these last kind of like couple years. Definitely. What is something you wish you cared less about 10 years ago? I don't know. What about 20 years ago? Yeah, 20 years ago? Oh, well, when I was a a kid running around and getting into crazy stuff, I remember that like I always had to be at the place that everyone was doing everything. I never wanted to miss out on anything when I was younger. And so I would push myself and I would get hurt. Like I never wanted to miss out on the party or I never wanted to miss out on the wave or I never wanted to miss out on the thing. And so it was always like kind of what's everybody doing? Like, And so I didn't really take time and space for myself in the way that I do now. And so I always said yes to everything and I never said yes to myself. And I definitely still maybe have some of those tendencies in some ways, but I'd say yes to myself so much more now. You know, and when I was younger, I got hurt time and time again. I just never kind of knew when to stop. And I just like, yeah, I had this like insatiable need to be everywhere and do everything. And so that kind of like put me into like, I've had quite a few injuries and, you know. Cool. Thanks for that. That's cool. Yeah. Just as we start to wrap this up, I want to ask, is there anything else you would like to say to our listeners that kind of came up through our talk? It can be to do with what we've spoken about, or it can be something that comes up completely out of left field. What's something you feel like you'd like to say to our listeners or leave them with? Yeah, I just say like, honor yourself wherever you're at. And somebody told me this and it's, it keeps coming back up and it's like really present right now for me is that don't take anything personally ever. That's a big one because everything can feel personal if you let it. Everything can feel personal. Even having a bad surf can feel personal. <laughs> you know, totally feel personal. And it's such a practice. Like if we all yeah. could just meditate on that every day, like, wow. Mm. You know, like I think about that for myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, it wasn't personal. Who knows what kind of day that person had? Who knows where they're coming from? Who knows what's going on for them in their life? Like, who knows any of it, you know? And if I'm just like honoring myself in this moment and my feelings, like always, it's cool. Nobody owes me anything. None of that, you know? I'm just going to like show up and do me and like invite people to do the same for themselves. And I think that's probably one of the most potent pieces of information that was shared to me maybe in the last like two years that I'm like, <clears throat> it's so clear and it's so beautiful and it's so powerful. It really is. And not easy. Mm -hmm. Simple and not easy, exactly. There's that duality, right? That's it. So it's a a good practice. A hundred percent. Kasia, thank you so much for talking to me today. I had so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much and enjoy the mountains. It was such a pleasure to chat. And just like, thank Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for everything you're doing with Salty, the whole like Salty Club, Salty Souls, like Salty. Keep it salty and sweet. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for everything you're doing too. You're a massive inspiration to a lot of people. So thank you. Yeah, right on, Caitlin. Thank you so much.